everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio, featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 all-star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. Welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. Thanks for coming on and joining us. Hey Tex, how are you doing? Great, John. I got to compliment your intro. Oh, why? Was it subdued? Was I using my real voice? No, because the internet is after you. <laughs> and I need to support you, big guy. Uh, I appreciate that. Well, what I'm excited for, and what we said on a previous podcast, if you go and you leave us a review anywhere that you follow and listen to podcasts, and you smash a five-star review, we will read the best one on the podcast. And I think we got a doozy. Yes. Well, we'll start with one negative, and then i got to give you... A bounce back but the first five star review that we're reading on the show here john's intro sucks five stars stop letting john do the intros no that's not his real voice he doesn't talk like that for any other parts of the episodes it comes off as inauthentic huh that's so weird and it's a canadian so that's the nicest Well, I mean, the Canadians are interesting people. Very apologetic unless they're hiding behind the thin veil of the internet. And then they want to attack me. I don't know. I mean, I think the intros are actually getting better. Uh Uh-huh. Reps. Opportunity. Yeah. I mean, sprinting. Yeah. Well, I mean, after 400 and some episodes, we got to have a better intro. And you know what? I think just making it simple. Yeah. And we explain the topics we get into. We put a little panache in Uh there. Maybe get movies out of the way. Uh, it, it doesn't feel overly complicated. I can't imagine listening to Power Athlete Radio and the one thing that you glean out of it is the intro when there's so much more. I mean, that's like showing up to a restaurant and being like, ah, I just didn't like the napkins. Well, you got to find something you don't like. Yeah. That's what people do. That's, <laughs> I'm an optimist. I find things that I enjoy and pay them compliments. Yeah, well. That's a good one. But no, we do appreciate you leaving us a five-star review, uh, even though it did kind of shit on my uh, intros, which I'll tell you, at this point, I'm just going to go more Radio Chicago talk intros. Go for it. Bring back the old sports radio in Philly. Hey, Power Athlete Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Premier Podcast on Strength and Conditioning, Power Athlete Radio. I'm sitting here with Mr. Tex McQuilkin. I'm John Wellborn, and we're your hosts on Power Athlete Radio. Welcome to... Brew with the crew. Is that what we're doing today? No, we're, we're answering questions. We're we doing, are. The we're, hotline. We're doing, <laughs> it's always hot. Yeah. It's hot. It's hot on the hotline. You know what we need is like a sound effects board. So like bullets firing, targets getting hit, all this You mean like stuff. those awful like radio DJs that, that, that they hit like a button and it's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, like a turkey. <laughs> yeah. Can, can we get that? Sure. Anytime. All right. Well, I got to end on a positive note. We also have a five-star review that simply says, really great. Been following Power Athlete the past couple of years. Great info and super entertaining. My favorite, they misspelled that. I think they're not from here, was Nick Hardwick. Please don't stop making these. Man, I did love our Nick Hardwick podcast, and I'll tell mm-hmm. you why. His story is unbelievable, and especially as another NFL player to hear his story. Oh, yeah. And like how he got through it and like his whole kind of Forrest Gump-ish uh, you know, rise to success within the NFL was just unbelievable. So much so, I'm sad that we weren't uh, better friends or connected while we were playing. If I had known he was 
that eclectic, interesting, and individual with just such a cool story. I would have said, you know, just went and found him and been like, what's up, man? We're friends now. Come on, get in the car. Yeah, you don't have to eat that way. <laughs> you don't have to be a disgusting fat body. But, dude, he has... Let me get the episode number uh, he's for He's got in phenomenal shape. I oh, mean, yeah. dude, he did his, uh, what was it, uh, uh, one three two four diet, which uh, he puts out, you know, uh, it's like eat like an offensive lineman or lose weight like an offensive lineman. It's really funny. But it's like each meal, 600 calories. So you get like a 600, you get a 1,200, you get an 1,800, and then you get a 2,400. So he's basically doing some of the zigzag diet, which uh, uh, Dr. Fred Hatfield, who we were discussing mm. this morning, was a big proponent of, which is the idea of like, you know, varying calories over different days and kind of tying those calorie demands. Like on your off day, you eat 600. On maybe, you know, the day you go out and squat to you puke, you eat 2,400. Which for a dude who's 300 pounds, I mean, he trimmed what, almost 100 pounds off of his body weight in four months. Showed up at like 203 pounds for his uh, retirement uh, ceremony. Yeah, he was joking. People didn't even recognize him. Yeah, he said he walked in and he's in this like super tailored skin tight suit. And he like people, he's just kind of standing there. Nobody says anything. All of a sudden they invite him up to the podium and like the whole place, like you just heard like a pin drop, which I think is an awesome, awesome entrance. Way to show. That was episode 355. Yeah, it was a solid one. We should get back him back on. I've been on his okay. podcast and uh, I'll tell you, I, I love him. I, I think uh, not only is he an interesting individual, uh, but it's got a lot to say and has an interesting point of view. Very. And he rocks power athlete training gear a lot. <sighs> I do like that. Where... If you want some Power Athlete training gear, John, where do they go? They got to go to shop.powerathletehq.com. And don't we have some new shit dropping? Dude, we got some new merch dropping. We have our Move the Dirt shirts, which are coming out. And we got a whole bunch of new flags that we've been sitting on. So we got all these dope flags. We got, um, obviously, Eat the Week and our whole barrage. So check out those flags in the next couple weeks. And we got some new merch dropping. And then there'll be some new stuff in Q2, Q3. And then we got some cool stuff coming up in Q4 for Black Friday. Sweet. Until then, let's get our fix for Power Athlete Radio. We got a fun question. I love, personally love these battles in which our (laughs) caller is asking us for some guidance. And it's going after the old ball coach. You ready, John? Let's do it. I'm calling in regards to weight room culture and tips at the high school level. I currently am an athletic director at a school in the Midwest, in the great state of Michigan, and the one thing that seems to be a disconnect is the old ball coach and the implementation of a solid weightlifting program. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on that, and um, if there's any previous episodes that this has been hit on. Second topic, I'd love to hear your thoughts on where does Edge of Tomorrow rate in regards to Tom Cruise's greatest films? Have a good one. Bye. Bye. That's a uh, solid one. I, I wish we got a little more information yeah. about what the friction was with the old ball coach and him being the AD. But uh, the one thing we've seen is kind of a – almost like an evolution of strength and conditioning for the high school level. And I think there's just been like a trickle down effect and it's just like anything. There's early adopters and there's people that are just dinosaurs, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a lot of strength coaches who are, you know, masquerading as football coaches and there's other football coaches masquerading as strength coaches. And I think what we're really seeing uh, in today's market is you have to know what your wheelhouse is. If you're a good football coach, 
then bring in somebody to do the strength work and, you know, the sprint and kind of put that on them. The problem is a lot of these guys get kind of tasked with double duty. And if it's a football coach, you got to know something about strength and conditioning. And a lot of times it's just easier to do what you've always done. And yep. if you're comfortable in doing it, it's not like, Hey, if you're, uh, you know, if you're a read option offense, you know, and that's what you guys have run for 30 years and that's what's successful when you get to state championships and everybody's pretty good, then, you know, you tend to stick with your read option. But as we know, that went out, you know, 50 years ago. Well, yet Navy football hasn't got that message, but no, and they still run it. Uh, but like, you know, now everything's a little bit more high speed West coast offense or running the ball inside outside zone. So, uh, I don't know if things are going to necessarily evolve, but strength conditioning has evolved. I mean, years ago we went to the Texas high school coaches association, uh-huh. 2014, deal. same year as edge of tomorrow, but go on. So we went and it was amazing how many coaches were stuck in like the 1960s, 1950s, 1970s mentality. Like, ah, oh, we, you know, we go in there and just, you know, throw some iron around and, you know, we did whatever Bear Bryant told us to do kind of a mentality. Yeah. We, we interviewed, we had a booth there. That was our situation. So it was the Texas high school football coaches convention in San Antonio. The presentations were all X's and O's and uh, la- very lacking in strength and conditioning. Well, it's because those coaches were lacking conditioning. Right. Oh, God. Burn. So what was <laughs> what they should have had next door was a, a screening for heart attacks and diabetes. I mean, like the... the well, that's what we should have pretended to be. Well, I mean, anybody with a BMI less of 40 was actually turned away at the door. So Our booth, you mean? <laughs> dude. Uh, they, like it was, uh, it, it was interesting to go to, especially from, you know, coming from California, you know, Texas football is such an institution, uh-huh. you know, Friday night lights, the whole deal. And actually talking to these coaches, like, Hey, what are you guys doing for your performance training? And we've had some really good inroads with some of the Texas high school f- football programs, uh, over the years that have actually used bedrock and, and, mm-hmm. you know, even some of the early CrossFit football amateur progressions with great success. So it the- was, I thought we were going to get more adopters. And we were met with a lot of resistance. We are a variety of coaches. The people that knew us made a point to stop and say, I can't believe you're here. Sure. Thank you for applying this or providing this that they were able to apply and have great success. Those coaches, however, were afraid to then share what was working within their weight room <laughs> with their community. I mean, if we look at the school districts in Texas, anywhere from four up to 10 teams in there, and if you start winning, hell man, you find a different success within that town and that community. So it's, you don't want to tell anybody what you're doing. And that's unfortunate for us as a strength and conditioning in education organization, because it, it stunts the growth of providing great training to kids. And then they are fall victim to poor coaching. Well, there's, um, you know, our, uh, our 80 friend from Michigan brings up a good thing. He talks about culture. Mm-hmm. And I think when I think of the word culture, I think of like how you do things, you know, the blueprint, uh, like what is the, you know, the ethos of the team, like what's expected, uh, when kids walk in as, you know, freshmen, the first day, they look to the older guys, they look to the people that have been there to kind of set the, the tone and create the culture. And I think where we've been different opposed from a lot of high schools is not overly focused on the numbers. Oh no! So this is something that that blew me away, and um, I, I will I will definitely say when I started lifting weights at Palos Verdes High School, we were the Sea Kings in 1990. There were a lot of strong dudes on that team. So to be in whatever we had, I think it was like the Sea King Club, 
you had to have a 300 pound bench, 400 pound squat, 500 pound deadlift and a 250 power clean. And there were dudes and like all the seniors, most of the juniors had it. And the reason being was uh, Zangus was really involved with our training programs and would come to the high school and the coaches. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the coaches were football coaches and they knew that they weren't strength coaches. I mean, they could administer the program, but George came in, wrote the program, came in and did all of our demos and showed us how to squat. And everybody squatted really well. And that was pretty universal. And then all of a sudden, when I went up to Peninsula High School and they closed our high school, I think that culture still kind of carried over. Uh, but it was it was cool because we would go to like seven on seven events or lineman competitions and there were like always weightlifting things at it. And to see how other people were lifting weights was very different than how we were lifting weights. So I think it, we weren't just overly focused like, hey, this kid squats 500 pounds. Great. How does that 500 pound squat look if it's just, you know, two inches you know, barely breaks his hip and stands back up, which we see all too often on an ESPN uh-huh. below poach these videos from inside college weight rooms. And it just, it looks like, you know, a four alarm fire happening all at once. Yeah. And it, I would say those are for the coach, not the player. And that's, that's where I would draw the line at that 2014 event. We even ran into my old, my alma mater high school's coach. Mm-hmm. wasn't my coach. He was long fired, but offered free come in there help them to that coach and he had been there for one year and he turned down going in there because we would potentially speak different than he had applied one previous year and he was afraid of the coaches then uh because then i talked to the assistant to, to find this out he was afraid that then the coaches word because it was a different somebody else coming in different than the word he provided for only one year come in and talk differently about the weight room. Well, but, but I wanted to just give and turn the, the program around because yeah, I mean, losing but, sucks. But isn't that part of like ego? Like, um, yeah, and you know, he's been since fired. So, well, But I mean, we, we, we've talked extensively on this. Like if uh, your ego becomes uh, the crux for your failure and it's like, hey, like, uh, and, and you know what? I don't fault any high school strength or uh, sorry, fo- football coach for not being a well-traveled, educated strength coach are there are there some football coaches that are excellent weightlifters and know how to do it 100 percent. but for the most part most football coaches pretty decent the x and o's at least no football it would not be a strike against them to say hey you know what i might not as know as much as somebody who does this full-time and you bring in an expert it's kind of like the you know the head coach who wants to be the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator oh bill o'brien we yeah. know how that works out <laughs> texans not burn well. Uh, well, th- so th- why I bring up that ego is because I need to know more about this athletic director and football coach relationship. Are you new hire and he was there and established as the head coach or did you bring him in? Like there's, uh, there's lots I, of different things that I'd, I would like to find out. Well, if he, if when, the coach, he re- when, when he references the old ball coach, he's probably a new AD that's coming in and there's been this coach who's probably been there for eons. And he has a set program. And this guy probably came over and said, hey, have you thought about this? No, it's not how we did it. Or that's not how we do it. This is what we've always done. And I think, um, at least I feel like this, 
the minute that we start having success, and this is just in everything, everything, when everything's going right, I start looking for, well, how do we continue to get this to go? If you continue to do what you've always done, a lot of times you start seeing diminishing returns. So everything has to be progressing. You have to be learning. You always have to be pushing uh, new things. And if you just go and do what you did yesterday, I mean, that's a recipe for getting your butt out of the NFL. Well, yeah, live, die, repeat doesn't always work. No. Edge of tomorrow. But uh, like... And, but I, I think with a lot of this stuff, I mean, and I saw it too within my own high school football coaches, uh, we actually had a dedicated strength coach, a guy named Jim Rundell, who was a pretty knowledgeable dude, owned a local gym, had retired and volunteered and came up and he was our strength coach. Uh, he, I wouldn't say was the top tier performance coach, but we had a dude in there who was in there coaching the kids, uh, you know, was proficient at lifting, knew what was safe and, um, you know, was, was pretty good for the most part. Uh, you know, I, I fell into an interesting situation in that I went to a different high school and then they closed our high school and they consolidated high school. So those guys were part of like that other squad. Whereas the, the crew that I trained with was Zangus and those guys was Pals Verdes. Right. So going in, that was like an interesting, uh, like it just, just an interesting situation because there really wasn't a culture because the school was new. So you, everybody was kind of carrying over what they did in the past and they wanted to bring everything and consolidate, but it takes time. And I think the one thing with culture is uh, culture changes never happen quickly. And it's usually the smallest things that change culture. Mm -hmm. I would also start to look, if I was this AD, are your other teams willing to take on training advice? We would find and argue that the, the women's sports in Texas are more opportune to listen to a power athlete methodology than the football coaches. And it's a great opportunity if if the weight room now opens up for the women's basketball and volleyball team and they start to see results because you're monitoring that weight room, you're in there making an impact as a leader, not an athletic director, a leader, where else can then coaches may start to see the success that you're bringing to the other squads that are willing to listen. Well, there's also two... Um this misconception within high school, I mean, college and the NFL, that there's some, you know, one-to-one equivalent for every individual. Whatever you do in the weight room, it translates on the field. And that's just not the case. And really, that's the start of the splinter in the mind for me with CrossFit football and also with Power Athlete, is why were some athletes able to make great strides in the weight room and then translate it and other guys just got worse? And I realized that if your only marker for success is what I do in the weight room in the offseason, I'm not going to have great success during the season. So how are you using it? What are you doing? And what I came to the realization is why do we lift weights? And that goes back to that old question we've discussed over and over again. Why do we lift weights? The ability to challenge posture and position through full range of motion movements and to be dynamic doing it, compensatory acceleration, all the other principles that we've found for the methodology allow an individual to take what they do in the weight room and translate it well onto the field. The problem is, is when you get so romance with numbers and you don't care on how the movement is done, you're not trying to challenge posture and position under full range of motion movements, then all of a sudden we see some really inflated numbers that don't translate. Uh-huh. And the major issues with chasing numbers, then you start to shorten your range of motion yeah. and go after that big board, and it's just a name and a number on a board on the wall, but where we start to see that does it takes away from your success on the field. Yeah. And not the way to play. I mean, wins and losses, we can discuss chasing those numbers or victory as a, as a focal point for teams versus just the, the wins versus 
just the, the the numbers on that weight room. It's going to be a fight. I would start with other teams that are willing to listen and prevent injuries. Uh, so I would I got one more point to well, make on this. But well, the the other one too is uh, success breeds complacency. So if a team has been successful in the past, then why do they need to change? This is what we've always done. This has worked for us. We're winning games. Therefore, because we're winning games, what we're doing is working. Sure, it's working, but it could it be done more optimal? You know, I go back to that old Louis Simmons saying, which is just because something works doesn't mean that it's the best thing to do. Or, you know, like if a guy, and I've, I've seen this years, you know, people are like, oh, this program worked great. I put five pounds on my bench in a year. And I'm like, well, what happens? I mean, yeah, you did get better, but what if you put 50 pounds on the bench? Would you have been happier? So just because something works doesn't mean that it's optimal. And I think that kind of success breeds complacency where teams are successful. So we're just going to continue to do what the old ball coach wants instead of looking at it and saying, hey, you know, here's some tried and true proven methods. And you don't have to go all full Caldeets and get all deep into triphasic and do anything crazy, but just some small, small tweaks on how they're doing it, rep schemes, you know, uh, you know, arrangement of exercises, how things are put together, how the, how things are executed, a lot of times will re- or, uh, result in the dividends they're looking for. Mm-hmm. With the, a lot of the power at the methodology viewpoint that we provide within our online course is to improve the social intelligence of the coach to prov- get you more opportunities, to get you more business, to get you more buy-in. And three of the approaches that we take to it are aiming to identify whether I'm speaking to sport coach, the old ball coach, athletic director like yourself, sir, and or a parent or an athlete even. But the the three focal points, and you got to find out what this guy is aiming for, is what he's doing in the weight room aiming for performance? Is what is he doing in the weight room aiming for injury prevention? Or is it aiming for skill acquisition, making more athletic, coachable kids. I would argue if I'm talking to a parent, I'm going to lean on injury prevention. Sure. The old ball coach, most likely performance, unless you get the person that says, oh, we need Johnny to improve his footwork. Mm. So looking for key terms like footwork, route running, and things within the sport that you could argue, okay, well, that is connected to coordination and skill acquisition. My approach to the warm-up, squatting this way toes forward will potentially get whatever the hell they want as long as you get buy-in from that coach so listen for these things is performance the only way numbers or wins is it injury prevention oh we had three ac it was an acl year last year okay well this is the the movement approach that i want to take it with the aim of in preventing injuries or is it oh we need them to improve xyz on the field Okay, well, skill acquisition. Let's deep dive into coordination and finding what they can't do and then using the weight room to empower their performance. So providing that social intelligence, but then guess what? Also within the methodology, we give you the X's and O's and how to coach them to, <laughs> to then empower performance, literally. I think if I was a, a parent or even the AD, the first question I would ask the strength or the football strength coach, whoever it is, hey, uh, do you guys test 1RMs? And I would really start there. And if they say yes, then I think we need a huge change. Um, I think the testing of 1RMs for kids 14 through 18 is highly overrated and completely unnecessary. 
Um, and especially with the idea of like, hey, we're going to do a percentage-based program yeah. where we're going to test a 1RM and then base it off the percentage. I mean, the linear progression that we use with, uh, with Bedrock and we used within the old Cross of Football Amateur Progression has been shown to be so much more effective in terms of not only developing skill sets, developing a base level of strength, and helping that athlete really grow into the person that he needs to be. So much so, man, I really wish I could go back in time and do it. Uh, I, I uh-huh. went through that program where, you know, day one, we tested one RMs and then we trained at 80% of that one RM and never really got stronger. And it wasn't until, uh, I remember that first year I started lifting weights, I didn't get much stronger. And it wasn't until that, that summer came home, my brother came home and we started lifting weights and he's like, dude, why are you doing all these like singles, doubles and triples? He's like, you need to do higher reps. So we started doing five, sevens, tens. And all of a sudden uh, you know, we started basically doing a little bit of linear progression where we we're going to hit 10 add weight, hit 10, do sevens. And we started playing in these different rep ranges and all of a sudden my strength shot up. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is percentage based programs do not work for beginners. And now let's, let's give him, let's arm him with some information. John, can you give a one, two, three liner of why percentage based yeah. programs don't work for amateurs? Well, so a percentage based program has to be based off of a hundred percent. So you're going to ask an individual to lift the one heaviest rep possible, and then we're going to take a percentage of that to be able to figure out our working sets. The problem with that is you have to have a legitimate 1RM. And the one thing that we've found is to have a legitimate 1RM, you have to have opportunity, and you have to have a high training age because you have to have an excellent concert of your muscles. That inter and intermuscular coordination has to work together to be able to fire and give us an efficient reaction. And the problem is, is that the unadapted nervous system at the beginner is not efficient enough to really be able to get all that stuff in concert and be able to really give the true performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, instead of just, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot over and over again, you realize being like, I'm not going to test 1RMs because these kids aren't highly skilled enough to perform a 1RM. And if they do perform a 1RM, it's usually pretty crappy. I mean, shit, like I've seen kids who were beginners lift a 1RM and they probably could lift it for 10 reps, you know? So it's like, if you can do something 10 times, it's not a true one RM. Right. So, uh, there's the unadapted nervous system, which is actually a good thing. And that's why the linear progression works so well, because we can just sneak weight on five, 10 pounds every time we come in. And all of a sudden we build a pretty big base and we've taken kids from, you know, 20 weeks, we've taken them from a 165 squat to a four or five squat. And the reason being is that fight, you know, keeping the, uh, you know, the sets and the reps pretty constant, adding volume by adding weight to the bar. It's been shown. Um, I mean, we've proved it for the last decade plus with thousands of athletes that this is a better situation. Now, once you become a, you know, a intermediate advanced athlete, now we start having to look at some percentage based programs, but you know, really the failure of using a percentage based program too early, um, is something we've seen just over and over again. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and that's not a knock on the coach just because one, um, they're not studying the physiology Two, they haven't had thousands of data points like we have over the last 10 years. Um, and they just don't have it. And then the, the ego of such that they know everything, uh, for me with everything, man, I, I default to the expert on many things, whether it be, you know, <laughs> trucks or fabricating or, uh, you know, graphic design, branding, whatever it looks like. If you're smarter than me and you know how to do it better, dude, I'm going to bring you on and I'm going to you know, allow you to do what experts do. I'm not trying to do everything. I'm not trying to play every musical instrument and wear every hat I can because at the end of the day, you become the bottleneck. And I think for a lot of these coaches, their own ego and their desire to control every aspect of this effectively becomes their demise 
because they can't see outside the grand scheme to allow those kids to get better. Uh huh. And resources to provide you. I got two for you. The first is free resource. I did a presentation on amateur strength progression in the, the bedrock program. John speaking of it's on NSCA's YouTube. I'll provide that into the show notes and it goes through 20 weeks, what to do sets, uh, sets, reps, resets, as well as touching on sprinting. But, and if you want a full blown, actually coaching, providing experience that includes setup execution of lifts, sprint training, coaching, sprinting, coaching speed, and then a deep dive into the application of the program. Then we have the power athlete coaching methodology. Um, and speaking to this coach, I would also recommend playing to his ego. Mm. He is a football coach. He is good at seeing poor execution of movement and then providing the kid with football directions for improvement. Here, how, let me hear. How here. will you know he's a football coach? The whistle, the uh, polyester bike shorts, high oh, socks, hey. like uh, Days and Confused style? Yeah, breakdown. Oh, it's great. But play to his ego and his ability to spot fault on the field and then correct it. But you are now in there to help him spot fault in movement in the weight room and then correct it. So that's another wall that you can break down. You're going to take his already empowered coach's eye, but apply it and teach him how to execute that with the barbell in there under your watch to make sure no one RMs or kids get hurt. Yep. That, that's all I got. Okay. I think that's all we need. All right. All right. So head to, for more information, hit the show notes or head to academy.powerathletehq.com. And then if you want to check out bedrock, which would be that mm -hmm. amateur progression from the old cross of football days, which actually has a, uh, you know, the basic linear progression with five different movements involves some sprinting, jumping, some plyos, uh, go check out power athlete HQ slash bedrock. And you can check it out there. It's also on train heroic. So, I mean, that's really the way station. I mean, that's the first stop on the bus whenever somebody comes in. Hey, where should I start? Start with Bedrock. How can I run it? Mm -hmm. You'll you'll figure out pretty quick, and then from there we can progress on. Um, we also do uh, team licenses, so if a team wants to jump on, we can do that. Yes, and, and uh, I'm sorry, Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, I almost forgot. I almost forgot too. Where does Edge of Tomorrow fit into the Tom Cruise? Well, I just got to say, I love this movie. I, I do Bill too. Paxton. <laughs> this is Bill Paxton's. I'll tell you where this ranks on Bill Paxton's list number two behind twister fight me on that john but then this one <laughs> he was on, in twister stop he was billy the extreme uh I, I do like edge of tomorrow i think it's an interesting uh concept and i think it's a great movie i mean uh there's really no other movie that really hits that plot line so you well, think about groundhog day ah it's true but their twist on groundhog day is that a bridge too far you know bill murray groundhog day that was original, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, but then this was a play on that. But amazing, Emily Blunt just kicking all sorts of ass. And, and Tom it, Cruise is he, what is beautiful is he is like the weak, conniving weasel trying to stay out of war in the beginning, and then by the end of it, we see this hero's journey emerge to where he's doing all he can to empower and save the world. Well, he's become uh, you know he's had so many opportunities. So we talk about development, you know, uh, um, geography, uh, genetics, and opportunity. Uh -huh. He's in the right place, and he's had endless opportunities to be able to go. And I remember, 
uh, when he's sitting with Emily Blunt in that scene and he's like, she has her coffee and he's like two sugars and he's only, and she's like, how many times have we done this? And he's like hundreds. And like, I think that's pretty cool where like yeah, all of a sudden and that we as the audience don't know. Yeah. And Ooh. then he gets in there and he like, she's like, what do we do now? He's like, I don't know. I've never gotten this far. So it's kind of like a video game in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. You Dude, know, where like awesome. you keep dying in the video games, you keep shoveling in, in quarters to try to get it as far as you can. Yeah. Uh, man, it was great. Uh, I'm just pulling up his IMDb. Dude, the, the last three Mission Impossibles were awesome. Uh, I I mean, has Tom Cruise ever done anything bad? He's not allowed to. The, his, his followers won't let him. <laughs> we won't let him. Um, has he? I don't know. A Rock of Ages, he... It was actually... That wasn't bad. I haven't, see, I haven't, I'm not, I haven't yeah, seen it. He does play an aging rock star. It's pretty good. Dude, I liked him as Jack Reacher. I, I know a lot of people don't, cause, but uh, I have not seen Oblivion. You heard of this one? No. And, it and was I the d- movie before Edge of Tomorrow. I, I did see a, a movie with him where there was like a mummy. Oh, The Mummy. Yeah, they called The Mummy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just a clever name. Yeah, it's also the plot line. Uh, I was kind of lukewarm on that one. Uh, it was all right. I mean, they... The Brandon Fraser mummies with with the Rock. Did you like those? Uh, I thought Brandon Fraser uh, mummies were actually pretty good. I did yeah. like them. I don't know why he fell off the uh, face of the. Do earth. you remember the one he's about to get executed, and they ask him, "Be like, why are you putting him to death?" And there's like he had too much fun. You remember yeah, was that? that in the mummies? <laughs> yeah, that that, no. that was the initial when she. Uh, uh, I forget the the name of the actress in the original ones. Uh, but yeah, she rolls over and I remember she's with her brother and he's about to get executed and they're like, why are you executing that man? And he's like, cause he had too much fun. And I'm like, I guess you can get your head cut off in, uh, in Arab countries for having too much fun. I believe it. Uh, man, I'd have to rewatch those dude. Minority report, vanilla sky, mission impossible Two. Mag- have you seen Magnolia? Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. Eyes wide shut was a little weird. Uh, what that was the Stanley Kubrick. Yep, with uh, Nicole Kidman. It. Yeah, it was weird. Is that his fault though? Uh it could be just Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, he's a weird cat. We had Matthew Modine explain on uh, Power Athlete Radio. If you haven't heard that one, guys, that's pretty awesome. Modine is coming back. He is. Uh, I'll tell you what I do want to watch that I haven't seen is the. You remember the whole college scandal where celebrities were paying coaches to get their kids in. Mm-hmm. Well, they just Netflix came out with a a documentary with reenactments, and Matthew Modine is in it. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know who he plays to what extent, but uh, that is on my watch list. What, uh, who's the chick from Full House? Felicity uh, Huffman, Aunt Becky. I don't know. Her yeah, name. and uh, she's married to like that Massimo dude, and uh, I mean, dude, Massimo they, like the the fashion. I think so. <laughs> and uh, like the payout was like five hundred G's. Oh, yeah. But but the crazy part is, is her daughter gets into USC, and I think she has like a huge YouTube channel, and she's actually become pretty entrepreneurial. So is it the fact that, you know, she, uh, like, obviously is doing all right and is really, you know, growing into do do something. Maybe she just fucked around in high school. Maybe she just couldn't get into USC. Yeah, I don't know. But they were, yeah, crazy. I'm very interested to learn more about it. Isn't that rich, like, rich people's affirmative action? Like I was kind of thinking that like affirmative action where they have to fill certain spots for different, you know, uh, like, you know, uh, you know, when we were in college, obviously we had, uh, you know, like a, a certain amount of female sports had to have scholarships and there was, you know, things for minorities. There was like affirmative action. That was a big well, issue at Berkeley. I just kind of think it's like rich people affirmative action. Pay to play. 
Well, they got slots. I don't Can know. Can you fill them? I am very interested in learning more about that. Man, that would have been so much easier to go to college than the way I went. Well, I'll tell you what else I'm interested in. Top Gun 2. Oh. Mission Impossible 7. <laughs> Mission Impossible 8. And whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Hold on. This is breaking news because I'm on his IMDb and there's a pre-production for live, die, repeat, and repeat. So apparently... So they changed Edge of Tomorrow's name? No, this is a sequel. Yeah, but what was live, die, repeat? Uh, I believe that was like the original title, but then they changed it to Edge of Tomorrow for uh, like marketing reasons. Okay. Um, probably because the word die. You know uh, Tom Cruise's greatest performance? Les Grossman in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. I mean... To like, I'll tell you, everybody thought Tom Cruise was crazy until he did that, and they realized this dude's got a hell of a sense of humor and great sense of timing, yeah. and hit a great. Uh, I don't know if you saw, there was like a viral video went out there on production of Mission Impossible, and yeah. he like he was screaming at the staff about you know not keeping social distance and not wearing masks and fucking around, and they thought they were going to shame him by putting it out. I'm like, good for him. The dude's Seriously? invested millions of his own dollars to produce the movie. They haven't had any filming shut down because of COVID, and the dude somehow like sets his thing up, you know, on a yacht. So this yeah. is yep. on a freaking yacht, and and then, and then the best is they released it, and people were like, "No, you guys are a bunch of assholes." Like, do what the guy fucking says, and yeah. I'm like, "Good for him." Uh, so the the man in charge of this operation gave you a specific direction, and you chose to ignore it, and then like you record you. it like a little bitch, and then put oh, it, and then fuck the person that recorded it. Yeah. And, and then they were like, oh, this is how we're being treated. And they shamed him. People were like, no, fuck you. Not our Tom Cruise. No, dude. At this point, he could pretty much do anything. Yeah. I'm not mad at the artist or the art. I think it's a... So where would we put that? I'm not I put, don't know. I mean, like, I don't think we're putting it up on the, on, on the mantle with uh, some of his other performances. I mean, Dave's, But I definitely think if there's a sequel, I'm seeing it. And if that movie comes on, I'm watching it. Yeah. Like Days of Thunder... There, anywhere, Mission Impossible 1, dude, A Few Good Men. I mean, mm, God damn it. dude, the, the Tom Cruise Mount Rushmore is pretty damn good. Yeah, I think we got A Few Good Men on there. You got Risky Business. You got Top Gun. Uh, Minority Port is a great rewatch. Yeah. Well, Collateral, which I, we've dude, done on our movie reviews. One of my favorites with Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Did you see Valkyrie, where he plays... Yeah. Yeah, the dude that the, tries uh, to assassinate Hitler. Hitler. True story, I think. Yep. Oh, I mean, man. Uh, it's, I don't know. Top ten, but all ten. You know, it, is there is there a role that Tom Cruise couldn't have played? Like, have, have you ever thought? Uh, that, like, I do know the answer to that, John. Loudon from the oh. the wrestling. Yeah. God damn it. Which, Vision Quest? Vision Quest. Yeah. Loud and swing. I was going to let you hang out there for a minute to see if you could remember it. So little known fact, Tom Cruise auditioned for a Vision Quest and was beat out by Matthew Modine. Mm-hmm. And then they also reached out to Matthew Modine to do Top Gun, and he chose to do Full Metal Jacket, which I kind of got to agree with him on that one as much as I do love Top Gun. You know the only, I always thought like what would be funny movies to put Tom Cruise in? Which okay. would it I have don't think about that, but all right. What about um, <laughs> what about if he got to play Bodie? But, oh, no, because Patrick Swayze is a man. Yeah, but I mean, think about like if you put him in that in that in that role. 
at that moment in time alongside Keanu, I think he would play a better uh, Johnny Utah. Than Keanu. Well, I, Keanu, for Johnny Utah, yeah, that's more of a Tom Cruise, like, I'm fucking straight-laced, starting oh, quarterback, okay. Division One athlete, rose through the ranks to be this dude, and I'm going to try to go undercover. But like Bodie, Patrick Swayze, he lived that fucking surfing think life. You could see Tom Cruise in, uh, in Point Break. Huh? As a straight-laced versus the, the visionary criminal. What if he got to play the visionary criminal? You think, I mean... I don't think anything's outside of his scope, but I think that there's people that have had better roles than him. Oh well, hold on. Like, I could love... he have? Like, could he have played uh, Dalton in Roadhouse? Yes, but he <laughs> he is that straight laced, and that's why Live Die Repeat or Edge of Tomorrow is so good because he he's this worm that then turns into the Tom Cruise good guy. I think Tom Cruise is great at playing Tom Cruise, and I love Tom Cruise. Okay. All right. Acting, the, uh, the Les Grossman, that's the first time I see Tom Cruise act, and it was pretty good. Yeah, no, he's great. Uh, okay. I mean, I think it solves. It's probably not up on the mantle, but it's probably pretty damn close. So yeah. we'll go with Edge of Tomorrow as a winner for Tom Cruise movies. Mm-hmm. And Last Samurai also. That's uh, one of my favorites. Uh, I, I balked at that for a long time <sighs> until... Until I told you how much I liked it? Uh-huh. I think it's excellent. I mean, it, it like it. I've always been a huge fan of that part uh, um, of that movie, um, just for the fact that he just plays this, you know, like uh, uh, you know, tortured soldier, kind of alcoholic, and he goes there and basically like finds a new war to fight and a new reason. It's, uh, it's an excellent movie. Yes. Well, there you have it, and that's an extra fifteen minutes of quality <laughs> infotainment that you experience on Power Athlete Radio. Yeah, thanks for joining us for another episode of Power Athlete Radio. I'm John. This is Mr. McQuilkin. Please leave a five-star review. Oh, yeah, smash us a five-star. your movie review, and we'll bring it up, your favorite Tom Cruise movie, on our iTunes reviews, and we'll talk about it. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!